and welcome to the Changemakers LA podcast. My name is Tanua Thrash Intuk, and I'm the Executive Director of the Los Angeles Local Initiative Support Corporation. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the status of Black homelessness, and we have two special guests with us today. I'm really excited to welcome Valicia Adams-Kellum. She's the president and CEO of the St. Joseph Center. Under Dr. Adams' leadership, the St. Joseph Center consistently applies best practices to serve new populations and new areas through significant collaboration with government, nonprofit, and the private sectors. The center is a trailblazer in deploying integrated multidisciplinary teams to help the most vulnerable homeless individuals obtain and maintain stable housing. We also have here today Saba Mawine. She is the Senior Program Manager at the Corporation for Supportive Housing, also known as CSH. CSH advances solutions that use housing as a platform for services to improve the lives of our most vulnerable community members. They maximize public resources and help build healthy communities. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Really glad to have you here on this really important topic. So um, let's provide a little context for today. So in 2016, the uh, L.A. Homeless Services Authority Commission uh, established an ad hoc committee, and that committee was specifically looking at Black people experiencing homelessness. The purpose of the committee was, one, to examine the factors contributing to the overrepresentation of Black people among the population experiencing homelessness, Two, identify opportunities to increase racial equity within the homeless service delivery system. And three, develop recommendations to more effectively meet the needs of Black people experiencing homelessness or who were at risk of doing so. So for today's conversation, we want to get into what's happening out there. Why are Black people experiencing homelessness at such a high rate disproportionate to their population? What happened with this committee work? And uh, what were some of the recommendations that were made by this committee? And what's next going forward for Blacks experiencing homelessness on this topic? Saba, let's start with you. So how do you feel racial bias is playing a role in the disparity and leading to an increased number of Black people experiencing homelessness? Thank you. Um, Absolutely. So it's certain that racial bias and systemic racism is a cause and perpetuator of homelessness because of that disproportionate representation that you mentioned, which was in great part the impetus of this report and this process where in 2017, we saw that 40% of the homeless population were black people, yet they only make up 9% of the overall population in Los Angeles County. Wow. So yeah, it's overwhelming when you think about that. And those statistics are replicated nationwide. So when you recognize that that's been this way for decades upon decades, and you look at every population of people that's experiencing homelessness, like families, transition age youth, individuals, there's that disproportionate representation. So given that, it's impossible to say that there is no systemic racism involved in in these outcomes. And we know that our our country was founded on racist ideologies, and it's embedded in in our policies. Uh, If we think about redlining and and that disenfranchisement of black homebuyers, and then we look to see that Given all of the decades, uh, you know, starting from slavery into Jim Crow and also the criminal justice system, we recognize that the homeless 
population, that's sort of the last stop up for sure. multiple systems disenfranchising black people. Wow. So the statistic is staggering to hear. So uh, black folks representing 9% of LA County, but yet are five times more likely uh, to be uh, homeless here in LA, representing well over 40% of the homeless population in LA County. And then you've just provided with us some sense of all the various different institutions and systems and infrastructure that have made uh, blacks more housing insecure Mm -hmm. with redlining and uh, even some former Jim Crow uh, laws that made it difficult for black people to determine where they could live. And they were kind of corralled in certain places with sort of a lack of resources to be able to maintain stable housing. So, Valicia, you were part, you were actually a member of the ad hoc committee. Um, And let's talk a little bit about what some of the major uh, takeaways, key insights and recommendations um, that the report talked about for black people experiencing homelessness. Well, we really believe that the starting point was to acknowledge that the over-representation of black people was due to structural racism, to actually call it out, because we have been working on homelessness. Uh, I've been involved in fighting homelessness in L.A. County for over 20 years, but we've not called out race as a component and uh, the fact that black people are more likely to be homeless Mm. and become homeless than any other population. And so that was a starting point. Mm -hmm. And then that led us to look at the upstream systems, uh, the justice system, child welfare, housing, the labor market, all of those are systems where there's great disparities in how black people are faring. The committee also really looked closely at homeless delivery in general. So how really are black people faring when it comes to services? And what we found is that there was sort of a front door looking at how are black people approached on the streets in outreach? Uh, Were there people who were representative of the overrepresentation? Do we have enough black people out there doing the service delivery? Do we have enough black folks in management that are doing the work? And research suggests that no. Black people are also underrepresented in management and in systems that are serving black people. We also found that we needed to look at the coordinated entry system in general. That's the front door in which we analyze and assess vulnerability among the population. And we found that some of those systems need to be assessed further to make sure that we're properly looking at vulnerability among black people. So those are systems that we want to say, are those assessment tools adequate to looking at black people and their level of vulnerability? And we found that more research is needed. Wow. So when I just, I mean, I'm just blown away and at the same time uh, feeling like you can make progress um, while maybe scary for some folks to hear that, you know, the committee started with this concept that there is institutional racism. And sort of that was the basis. And from there, um, and the committee really looked at it, sounds like, you know, overrepresentation of black people in unemployment, overrepresentation of black people in the foster care system, overrepresentation of black people in uh, maybe even sub- substandard housing, all of the things that might lead to housing instability. And then from there, beginning to really then look at who is providing the service. Um, and you, I'd love for you to talk 
talk a little bit more about why is it important to have uh, black people in the community actually providing uh, service outreach to those who are homeless? Well, one of the things that was very unique about the process is that we ran focus groups. So we had people from the community really speak to the work, folks who were experiencing homelessness, uh, staff who were previously homeless, and they were very helpful in, in shaping our understanding of what was missing. And one of the key components was that we need more people who look like us to service us yeah. and bring a sensitivity and an understanding, a cultural competency, if you will, to this work. And it's interesting that even in this process, we've learned that you don't really become fully culturally competent. You become more empathic, more aware and understanding. Our yeah. goal really is empathy. Yeah. And Zaba, we've had a chance to hear from uh, one of your speak up clients who talks about having that cultural competency and having staff who are reflective of the folks who are experiencing homelessness. You know, as a black woman and we as we all sit here, we happen to all be black women um, with various different hairstyles. And for black women, if you're experiencing homelessness, having the right kind of product uh, can mean everything to getting back to your uh, full self. So ladies, let's talk a little bit about some of the recommendations that uh, were in this particular uh, report. Um, there were more than 67 recommendations in that report, huge number. So you got a lot of input and a lot of information from a lot of different uh, people uh, on this. Um, Felicia, what do you feel might make one of the biggest differences? I mean, those that's a lot, but what, what might we take away from this report? Well, I think the most important thing that we have to acknowledge is that there's intersectionality between homelessness and race. And we already said that was a starting point. That is a place and space that we must look within our agencies to see if there are further disparities and inequities that need to be addressed. Who is delivering services, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. and the nature in which those services are delivered. Yeah. So I believe the overarching piece is that racial equity is the goal and we must address it within our system. Now, inside the report as well, Saba, um, there was a, a look at what's happening with criminal background checks for screening tenants in order for them to access housing. Um, what consequences did the report find that that could have on uh, those experiencing homelessness, particularly black people? Mm -hmm. Well, in support of housing, we, we always guide providers to screen in potential tenants as a fundamental housing first practice. So that's, a, that's already on the table. But in this recognition of the overrepresentation of black people, we have to recognize that race is a piece that we need to, again, screen people in as much as we can. And we know that the people, black people especially, who experience homelessness have a great intersection with the criminal justice system. And that having a background, having a criminal background is a huge barrier um, no matter, no matter if you're going into affordable or supportive housing. Um, so we want to ensure that that is recognized in all of our practices, especially in LA. There's a, a even greater intersection between jail stays and homelessness. Um, in fact, HPRI tells us that in the five years prior to becoming homeless, 64% of the population has had a jail stay. And in the year prior to becoming homeless, 28% had a jail stay. So if you're trying to find the population who might become homeless in the next year 
30% of them will be in jail. So again, we want to be conscious of these barriers. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of how we can think differently about that, there was a great piece of legislation that CSH sponsored, which infor- unfortunately didn't go through, where it was basically bifurcating the process so that the tenant would first get screened for their income, and then it would go into the criminal background check. So that way, first, the landlord wouldn't go to screen for criminal background unless they determined that this person was financially fit to take the unit. So that way, we know that if you're going to check criminal background, you've already said that this person was okay to go into the unit. And by doing that, it gives it a two-step process where the landlord will be able to say, I want to check your criminal background screening. I'm going to do this. Saba, I think the whole point here is that, um, you know, people might find themselves, they fall on hard times mm-hmm. and they might make a wrong choice or, you know, a poor decision that lands them in jail. And maybe part of what they need is to be housed stably so that they don't find themselves making some of those poor decisions uh, in order to remain uh in order to remain housed stably. But if we have a system or an inst- a set of institutions that say you can't be housed because you've had this, uh, this, this poor, you've made this poor choice and you've had experience with the justice system that continues to perpetuate and can further, uh, help people unfortunately fall into homelessness even deeper, uh, because of that. So it's really important that we try and separate out. Are they eligible? Uh, can they, from a financial perspective, are they at the right income level? And if they are, what other factors have been involved in their life um, that could be screened for so that it's more information for the landowner to know and not necessarily to exclude? So let's talk um, a little bit about um, the, the issue of homelessness, right? This affects everyone, not just the people who are experiencing, but it affects all of us in society. What do we think we need to do, or from either one of your perspectives, what can we do to get more people involved in trying to help solve this issue? I think we need to build a shared understanding of homelessness based in empathy and togetherness that dispels this false thinking about people who experience homelessness. We know Chronic homelessness is deeply tied to mental health and substance abuse disorder and, of course, structural racism. Um, And we know that in a market like Los Angeles, staying housed is a financial burden for most. So it's this practice of othering people that who, who experience homelessness that we need to step away from and we really need to build togetherness. And I know that um, in Los Angeles, cam- campaigns like Everyone In that work to engage people to be part of the solution in a strategic way is is a great approach. Storytelling, which is an extremely powerful and universal tool that builds an understanding and empathy. You know, when someone says, I have a story to tell you, you just perk up. And when people can hear stories of those who have experienced homelessness, it, it really brings you in to an understanding of how it could really happen to many people. To anyone. To anyone. Yeah. And so CSH has a great speak up program that brings people in who have experience of homelessness to share their stories in order to engage that sense of togetherness, that, that sense of empathy that, that Valicia was talking about. Well, the ad hoc committee also outlined that we've always said it could happen to anyone. But what we now realize is that really it's more likely to happen to black women, 
to black men and black children than any other group. And so we have to acknowledge that it's not just anyone. It's more likely to be my mom or your mom than our white counterpart's mom. And so we need to understand that and also acknowledge that part of that is due to the impoverished social networks that black families and individuals struggle with. Everyone in the network is often struggling. Uh, most are tentatively housed in some communities when people are coming from incarceration or there is underemployment. So where do you turn when the network is lean? Yeah. Um, this is, uh, I'm, I'm feeling what you're saying. I mean, so much so that I could just imagine people that I know, uh, who have and could easily, uh, experience homelessness, uh, any day. Ladies, this has been an important conversation. Felicia, I do, Dr. Felicia, I would love for you to just share with us what's next for the committee. Um, what, uh, can the public look forward to in terms of continuing to raise awareness about this important issue? Well, thank you. The committee knows that it's important for us to continue to apply pressure, to continue to get elected officials to press and invest in homeless services, and particularly those service delivery models that work for Black people. We are going to continue to meet two times a year, and we're going to make sure that we're measuring outcomes and looking at the extent to which the recommendations are implemented across the county. Fantastic. For those of you who are out there listening, please check out LASA's Commission on the Status of Black People Experiencing Homelessness. There you will find what was generated was a critical set of insights and recommendations to reduce barriers and improve outcomes for Black people experiencing homelessness. We want to thank our guests for joining us today, Saba and Dr. Valicia. Thank you for joining us this week on Changemakers LA podcast. We appreciate the value our invited guests added to this conversation today. And thank you for all out there for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'll be sure to subscribe, like, and share. Thank you for listening to LA List Changemakers LA podcast. This podcast was made possible by a grant from the Opus Community Foundation to support affordable housing development and preservation. If you would like to support LA List or learn more about our work, please visit us online at www.lisc.org slash Los hyphen Angeles and follow us on Twitter at LA underscore Lisc. Production support was provided by Samantha Salmon and the Donias. You can find the rest of the series on SoundCloud or iTunes. Subscribe to LA List page to hear more conversations about the people and places that shape Los Angeles.